back to the Idiom Podcast. My name is Connor O'Brien. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview artists, producers, and industry experts, really anyone who we feel can help you grow as a producer. As always, this episode is brought to you by EdiumProd.com, an online resource dedicated to teaching electronic producers the tools and tactics needed to make better music. So if you want to level up your production skills, whether it's learning the basics, writing better music, improving your mixing skills, or developing a more creative mindset, we've got you covered. Now, in this episode, I have a chat with Nevada. Nevada is an American songwriter and producer currently based in Stockholm. His debut single, a song called The Mac, which is a rework of Mark Morrison's 1996 hit, Return to the Mac, has amassed over 380 million streams globally and has climbed to the top 10 charts in multiple countries. Outside of his chart-topping original music, he's released official remixes for artists like William Payne, Ed Sheeran, and Charlie XCX. In this episode, we start off with Nevada's background, discussing his move to Nashville, his first studio apprenticeship, and signing his band to an indie label. He discusses how the songwriting scene in Nashville positively shaped his skills as an artist and why he's glad he ended up in Stockholm, where he's currently living. He also breaks down exactly how he gained the connections that led him to working with A-list artists, offering his best advice on networking and marketing for hungry producers. Now on the production side, we discuss several aspects of Nevada's technical and songwriting workflow. He explains his best strategies for finishing more music, which includes adding the kick and bass last for your tracks, which is not something that you hear often. And he also offers his best advice when working with vocalists and songwriters. Later on, he breaks down why he's such a big fan of Isotope Iris 2, how he approaches filling out more minimal mixes, and why producers really need to embrace creating multiple versions and revisions of their projects. Now, before we slide to the interview, Nevada just released a brand new single called Lie to Me, featuring Mo Piano and Orchid on the vocals. It's a really great track. Definitely go check it out if you're interested. I'll pull you a preview of it as we slide into the interview so you can get a feel for the track and for Nevada's music. With that, let's wrap things up and get to the interview. Here's the EDM Podcast with Nevada. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast today. I'm joined by Nevada. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So to start, I want to learn a bit more about your background with music. You can go back as far as you'd like, but I want to learn what got you into music initially and later on music production. Yeah, of course. I mean, I grew up in uh, Washington, D.C. Um, I lived for a little while in Nashville when I was like in my late teens, like getting in my 20s. But uh, when I was young, uh, I actually grew up in the church, so most of the m- music I was exposed to at the beginning was like gospel music. So like singing choirs and I don't know, more more band type atmosphere stuff. And then going yeah. to high school, I was in a high school band, you know, I had like, you know, a few of my friends, we had a high school band. We were totally those guys. All that really shaped kind of, I guess, how I the history shapes, you know, how you make music even today, even to right now. So, um, like, so I guess some of the live elements of like band, um, always trying to introduce something organic, you know, into electronic music is, you know, kind of what I'm about. Cause it, it just, you know, it clicks with me, you know? So, yeah. So in those bands were, what instrument were you playing and were you doing any of the recording kind of electronic backend for them? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was playing guitar, singing, and we started actually 
basically recording everything. We, I mean, we would record the drums. I mean, we're, we weren't smart enough yet to like actually just load in samples and really beef stuff up. Yeah. So we were like, <laughs> you know, recording drum kits and, you know, freaking out, not understanding why, you know, anything sounded good, you know, cause <laughs> yeah. we're, it, it was rough at first, you know, garage band, you know, but it's all with time, you know? So, um, the more time you do it wrong is, is the more time later that you can do it right. So, yeah. So that was, that was kind of the first experience. Um, I moved to Nashville back like when I was 19. So I moved out of the house when I was 19. Um, and I started like apprenticeship in in studios kind of, and I, and I had a group there signed to an indie and we basically, that's kind of where my electronic uh, journey started. So I was probably like 18, 19. So when you say you got a studio apprenticeship, explain more what that actually was. Cause I think that's something that's really cool for people. The idea of like being in a place, being mentored physically in a studio. So kind of talk about what exactly that was and kind of how you got into it. Well, my, my friend and I, uh, from high school actually moved there and we, um, I mean, pretty much the only way we could have the room was to keep it clean and, and keep the studio straightened. You know, uh, yeah. it was it was basically like a closet um, within a, a large studio complex. I think Yamaha actually owned part or maybe the, the whole studio. And, and they were doing like a lot of like stuff you would hear like, you know, royalty free stuff. And we were over yeah. there, you know, in the in the back room, just banging 808s and trying to be <laughs> Skrillex, you know, so. But yeah, uh, yeah. so we, we it, it wasn't a full on apprenticeship, but it was, you know, keep the studio clean, lock up, that type thing. It, it wasn't necessarily engineer work or like cleaning up sessions or comping vocals or tuning, but, you know. So you talked about getting into production at that point where you're like, Hey, I want to be, you know, an EDM producer, DJ, anything along that lines. Cause you kind of got your start at least while you were there with bands. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I, I think the first album I heard that really like turned me into like, um, just the EDM, like, you know, freak and, and want to produce that music was the, uh, scary monsters, nice, uh, sprites, the Skrillex, yeah. um, album, man, as soon as I heard that, uh, like everything changed. I mean, literally though, I think most people I speak to, it's like, they say it sounds they never heard before, like the concepts of the songs, the, the builds, everything. And it had a lot of metal, like, you know, core to it, you know, um, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Cause it, it, it had that like band vibe as well. But I mean, dude, he, Sonny was doing stuff that was like, I mean, that no one had ever heard before. And that like s inspired me big time. Yeah. I think you're probably like the 10th producer that I've talked to on this show <laughs> that had that exact same thing where it's just like some Skrillex EP or album. I think one interesting thing too, about that was at that time, like nobody had any clue how he was making those sounds. And I think that let him get to a bigger point because he was able to like get by for three, four years without anyone being able to really copy him. Like I'm sure back in the day you were looking up tutorials on how to make sounds like that. And all of them were just complete shit because nobody had any clue. No, but it, it took people a while. It took people a while to figure it out. I mean, I remember sitting in the studio listening with a bunch of people and we were actually trying to figure it out. We were saying, what is this? Like, and, and one guy was like, dude, I swear to you, he's doing everything with a microphone. He's just talking in a microphone and then putting like amps and stuff on it, you know, but then, you know, come to find out, I mean, he's, he was just, he's just a freak in the studio and a programmer and yeah. 
what what he did with distortion and big crush and lfos you know so yeah he definitely changed it for me that's for sure so at what point did you start to get a little bit better at production to where you were starting to think about releasing under your own artist project and starting to produce for some other artists which i want to get into as well i mean i still feel like i still feel like uh, i have a ways to go you know like i'm always learning i i got my first laptop when i was i mean maybe 15 or 16 so i i would say it was a good like five to five to six years of where i was like okay you know the stuff i'm making now you know at least it could it could be streamable <laughs> yeah <know? laughs> um you know not only my mom likes this so yeah it took me a long time, you know, it, you know, I don't, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember what it is, but like, there's like a certain amount of hours, I guess, where you become like, I don't know. Yeah. Like the 10,000 really hour crap. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I don't even know if I've hit that. I don't even know how long that actually is, but I feel like you do it wrong 95%. And then the 5%, when you get it right, it's like, it's so sweet, you know, it, it's like super special you know, but that 95% doing it wrong gets you, gets you to that, to that five. So. So one of the first releases that you have publicly under the Nevada project was the Mac, which was kind of a flip of return of the Mac, really classic hip hop track. Kind of walk me through what were the steps to kind of get to there where you're able to put your own spin on such a, just a, you know, classic track. That track actually, I actually made that track in, uh, in a in an apartment in the kitchen i was j I literally just had beats headphones on i mean it wasn't simple but i mean the you know explaining it like that it sounds simple but uh my manager at the time hit me up he said hey i got this idea for a remake he's like you know the song i'm like yeah of course i know this song he said i'm, I'm walking into a meeting in uh tomorrow he's like can you flip this for me and i was like oh shoot this is gonna be I don't know. I was like, I don't know. So he sent it over. Yeah. Um, and I sat there in the kitchen and basically did the song like in a night. Um, we, we since, we since, uh, you know, we had a few versions, obviously Fetty, Fetty Wap jumped on the song, um, after I mm -hmm. had that, that version done. But, um, yeah, they, they, he walked it into meetings that next day and they, they were like, yo, we, we got to sign this right now. So, I mean, I, I barely even had a, um, an artist name then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were like, yo, bro, they want to sign this. He's like, what's your artist name? I got to tell him something. I was like, uh, Nevada, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Good it, question. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you said that your manager kind of set you up with that. How did you in initially connect with him? Yeah, we met in Nashville. Um, just through just through a, a writing friend uh, uh a friend of mine at the time when i lived in nashville he i think he still writes for prescription songs i'm not sure but at the time he did uh which is uh dr luke's um uh company but uh yeah we met like we just i think we met at like a panera or something shout out panera if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> no but uh he um yeah, yeah, and he it just it it basically how it worked was he liked what I did. I sent him some stuff, and he basically started throwing me throwing me um, ideas or 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 little things where like, hey, I think we can create a cool situation here or this or that. So, I think having a person like a manager on your side, someone fighting for you, is especially 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 for creatives. I mean. I'm mm. definitely a creative. 
I mean, creatives, I mean, we, we just want to like be in our, in our lair, you know, in our dark, in our dark studios for days and days, you know, and not see the light, you know, but the thing is stuff has to be, stuff has to be moving while, while that's moving, you know, so, so the, so the whole train can get to, to the destination. So I think, um, you know, having somebody like that is instrumental in, taking things to the next level, you know, cause I, there's, mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you right now, there's maybe a million guys or girls better than me. And I can say that hundred percent, you know, but maybe they don't have somebody championing them, you know, to take them to the next level. So I've, you know, thankfully, you know, was put in that position. So kind of moving forward, you, uh, recently released a single called lie to me. I want to talk about that in a sec, but just like right now, I want to hear everything that's going into what is your just kind of career in music, because, you know, you've got your artist project where you've done a few releases, obviously the Mac being one of your most successful, but what does like a typical week for you look like in terms of writing for yourself and for other people? Yeah, right now I'm really focused on my, my project. Um, so that includes like remixes, um, original stuff. Um, and also setting up writing camps, I guess you would say, but like writing weeks. So to stack up, uh, singles basically just to stack up songs. I I think a lot of the production gigs I get now are through actually through my artist thing and always something to where I'm like, you know, I want to collaborate on a track with the artist or whatever. And, you know, it's, I don't know, but, but I would say my main focus is, is Nevada at the moment. So kind of sliding over into Lie to Me, I really want to talk about just how that track came to be and the production behind it. First, I'm just going to play people a preview of it so they can just get a feel for it. So first off, just kind of talk about how that track initially came to be, what the first idea was for it. Uh, we actually planned, uh, my team, we planned a, a writing camp here in Stockholm. So we got together some of the, I, I think some of the best writers in town and people I've worked with for the past three, four years. And we locked it down in a studio, the whole studio. We locked it down for about three, four days and we just went in and went crazy try to get as many songs as we possibly could, like crazy ideas, hopping into different rooms, boom, boom, boom. Like what you working on, what you working on? Uh, we had a bit of, yeah. we had a schedule, but I mean, you know, you get creatives in a room and it all kind of goes out the window. So it was super inspiring though. I mean, uh, that's what I would say to anybody listening out there that has, maybe they have friends in music or maybe a singer friend or whatever. And they can, I think one of the most inspiring things was when I, that week where I just said to them, Hey, we have to do this. Everybody's locked in like one week. Let's make, let's make bangers. So I think it was the third, it was like the third day and it was myself and I think three or I think it was four others. And we just, we literally came up with the song from scratch top line, all the way through. So there were two singers uh, that are on the track were in the room and wrote with. And, and I, and I, me coming from like, I'm a vocalist and like guitar player, piano player originally. So I'm always like experimenting with, with the, the vocal. Like I, I like writing the vocal, 
you know, like melodies and stuff like that. I'm not the best lyricist, but I love writing melodies and, and getting into that. But yeah, we started from scratch. Uh, the, the original track, like from the room, um, when we wrote it, didn't sound anything like, like it does now. I actually went home, sat at my kitchen table and did the production, redid it basically. Yeah. I mean, that's one, that's another one of those just sitting in my apartment and <laughs> finishing, but yeah. I mean, that the, the song came from, the song came from a camp and it was basically, yeah, it was basically me getting everyone together, super talented people, you know, everybody was in it to win it. And it was, we, we have tons, tons of music from that, you know, stuff, stuff yeah. I can use stuff. If I decide, Hey, let's pitch this, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it was super inspiring. So on that track, I want to ask a couple of questions, just more on the production side. So the lead sound in the drop, do you remember how you ended up designing that? I think it's a really cool texture, similar to some of the leads that you use in your originals and remixes. Yeah, I, it's a, it's a vocal chop I got on splice. There's a, there's a, there's a guy that sings, oh gosh, I totally forget his name, but I took his vocal because it sounded super pure. I loved his tone and I chopped it up yeah. into the melody that is the lead melody of Lie to Me. Um, super HD vocal, like very good EQ, like it was ready to go. Um, but then I was, you know, I chopped it up, you know, tuned it to, to you know, and chopped it onto the the rhythm. You know, mate, it, it's it's completely different. You would never be able to pick it out of the out of uh, any packs, even if you listen to the pack. And then I layered it with, I think, uh, and I'm a, I'm an Iris Two guy, so I sample a lot of stuff. So yeah. like just about everything, like even the from basses to like chopped synths to vocal hits, anything I throw samples into Iris Two and chop it up so yeah just 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 always sampling always sampling um but i think the lead i used i don't remember the exact sample i used but i i i used a like a synth sample and and threw it in and layered it over the the vocal chop that i created i think uh, there might be a serum thing on there oh i did use uh sin plant do you know sin plant yeah I mean, I don't know how to use it, but I <laughs> know what it looks like and how it sounds. Yeah, I don't know how to use it either. I just like there's a preset I found on there, man. It's like, wow, it was amazing. It's amazing, and it and it's it it just makes. I don't know. It has that kind of old school rave sound to it, but it's very has a lot of depth and it's not super defined. So it just gives gave a cool atmosphere. So it was definitely Sin Plant, um, and then and then most most samples like and then just played uh, on the keyboard like based upon like the the vocal shop i got yeah so i haven't heard a lot of people admit that they're iris 2 people so iris 2 it's a sampler from isotope which everybody listening to this podcast knows talk about why you gravitated towards that just because you know i trust isotope but i haven't heard or seen that many people use it i was exposed to that plugin by a sick producer in Amsterdam, his name's Serrano. I don't know if you've ever spoken to him, but he is, he is a freak. He's legit. And he uses that like a beast. He is, and he's very sample based. His stuff is amazing, like super warm. I saw music. I was like, Hey brother, can I, uh, see, see what that is that you got <laughs> over there? And, uh, he's like, yo, bro, this is my, this is my secret sauce over here. No, but it's, it's basically a sampler and it has the thing that I like about it. It has built in, built in effects, built in filters, like 
um, a really, really cool, um, uh, really good overdrives um, built into it. Nice filters. And you can actually go through, there's different like sounding filters even like, but yeah, I just, it just makes, uh, I don't know. I've just been using it forever now. So it just, it just makes sense. And I'm quick. I, I feel like right now I gravitate towards the things that are quick so I can stay yeah. inspired. I don't want to have to like learn like a plugin at the moment, unless it's like everybody's using it and I got to just like hop in there and, and, you know, learn something. So how important do you feel like in those writing sessions speed is for you as a producer? It's huge. It's, um, in writing sessions, speed is probably everything. I don't even get disappointed if the track doesn't sound great by the end of the, the session. Um, cause you know, us producers, we're going to go back in and boom, boom, boom. You know, as long as you get the song, I think about it like this, whoever you have in the room, try and get the most out of those people that you have for that short of time. Because if you're sitting there and all they're doing is listening to you EQ a kick drum, I mean, that's not going to be very inspiring to them, you know, to write like a smash. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you can EQ the kick drum later. You can mess with the LFO on this later. Hey, maybe this needs chorus, but you don't have to put that on now. How can you inspire the writer, the writers in the room to like, just feel as if they can express themselves to the, their highest potential? Cause you only have them for a certain amount of time. I either lay down simple stuff really focus on the melody or I bring tracks already and then strip it yeah. down that way. That way the artist doesn't feel or the writers, they don't feel like super trapped into one vibe. If you have a ton of finished tracks and I know for a lot of the hip hop guys, I mean, if you play a hip hop banger, like, I mean, the artist is just going to go off and you, you got it. But for the pop thing, yeah. it's, it's a bit more, I don't know, mathematic process, I guess you would say. Anything that you've picked up, you've been doing writing sessions for a while at this point, being in Stockholm and obviously in Nashville, any just really valuable pieces of advice that you've picked up from other writers and producers outside of, you know, kind of the things you've mentioned so far? I've learned everybody writes differently. Everybody's different. Yeah. Um, and everybody has a different process. Try, I try my best to be patient, you know, because some people take longer than others, you know, and myself included. Yeah. Patience is like one of the toughest things. But I've learned that, I don't know, S Swedish people, they're super talented. I mean, it's crazy the amount of how good their English is, how good their writing in English is, and like the quality yeah. of even producers and production guys here. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of in the blood. I mean, so from ABBA to Max Martin to, you know, all the young guys coming up now. I mean, I work with, I work with some guys that just produced on the Lady Gaga album. They do a bunch of stuff for Axwell. I mean, these guys are freaks. Every time I, I listen to their music or we work on stuff, I mean, I'm just completely dumbfounded. They're, they, they're always pushing it and pushing it. I would say like in writing sessions, in collaborations, if you're chilling with somebody, you're in a room, push it. Like say, safe is yeah. cool, but you know, maybe try and push yourself. You know, that's one thing that I've learned from a lot of people here. So I would say we have a fair number of people that are listening to the show that are somewhat comfortable with production and will like the idea of doing more sessions with people, whether it's getting vocals for their music, for pitching for other people. But I think a lot of them don't have the musicianship um, experience that you do, you know, coming up as a vocalist and a guitarist. So what advice would you give to a producer that 
really doesn't have a lot of songwriting experience that just wants to get more comfortable so they can start to kind of go down the path that you are with writing sessions. I, I started out actually with acapellas, always acapellas. I still do that now when I'm like, when I'm, when I'm not feeling something, when I'm just like, Hey, I want to just write a track. All I care about is the track and then use those, use those tracks, just mute the vocal, use that track, you know, and a, and an artist can hop on it or, or whatever, you know? So, I mean, I, I get sent tracks all the time. We're like, Hey man, check this out. And it's still got the acapella on it. And I'm like, cool. I love that. I love the, insp- I love <laughs> where you were inspired to do that. You know, there's so many resources out there, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to have the greatest studio in the world or have be the best writer in the world to, to make a banger on your laptop on, on, on FL studio yeah. or logic or Ableton or whatever. You can literally get inspired from a, a old school. Like I did with the Mac. I mean, it's like a song was written, man. That's, yeah. I mean, a song was written, you know, it was the idea that caught on. So you could literally have an amazing idea and just execute it, you know, push yourself. I love the DJ world. I love the producer world where such talented studio guys and talented, you know, producers slash, which most of them become DJs, you know, so they can play their stuff live. But it is so cool that that can be showcased, you know, as opposed to just artists. I consider them artists, but, you know, like the the regular artists. So um, it's a cool time, you know. You don't have to be the best uh, piano player. I'm not the best piano player. There's tons of great resources out there, I guess, where you can like bring in, you know, MIDI um, progressions and stuff like that. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's it's a cool time for music, and I, I love seeing all the young talent. And you know, the sky's the limit, really. So for you, where do you kind of see yourself? progressing towards in like the next few years? Do you see yourself, you know, continuing on with the Nevada project and trying to get into more of the DJ producer route or kind of something else? Man, five years. That's a great question. I I, I don't even think (laughs) I've been thinking about it. Maybe I should be, but, uh, yeah, I, I just, at the end of the day, what a blessing, a blessing for me is if I can provide doing what I love. And I think most people that, are, are starting from nothing. They love producing. I think that that's like just the biggest thing for people. It's like, yeah, okay. Everybody wants to be murder beats. Like he's a legend, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, if you can get to the point where you can get up every day, be in FL studio, be in logic and pay your bills. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, for me in five years, I would just love to you know, still be, just still be doing this. You know, I, you know, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You know, I had like, uh, about a month ago I had like, I was cutting the grass. Sorry. I'm like going off, but I was cutting the grass and I, uh, with a weed whacker and I, a part of the blade came off of, they had like, it's a weird, it's a weird weed whacker. Maybe it was for, maybe I used the wrong one. Maybe it was for like tree branches or something. But anyways, yeah. part of the blade came off and it hit me in my eye and I had to oh, like shit. have, yeah. And it actually stuck in the eye. So I had to have multiple surgeries and yeah, it was, it was rough, bro. And I stayed in the, the hospital for about a week. So when you ask me like where I want to be in five years, I'm honestly like just happy where I am now. If I can pay the bills, like being a producer, um, doing my Nevada project, 
releasing music, then like that's that's great for me. I think I think in five years, honestly, it would be good to be um, like just. I'm not sure if we can be out touring, but uh, hopefully in five yeah. years we'll be past all this Corona stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, it would be good to be consistently on the road um, in five years and still releasing music. So. So how did you initially end up in um, Stockholm? Because, you know, you're from the U.S., you know, kind of got your start in Nashville, ended up in Stockholm. I'm sure people are kind of curious on that. Yeah, my wife is actually Swedish. So she, yeah, we, we decided to move about three, four years ago, I think it was, three or four years. I would have been opposed to it if Stockholm didn't have such a, such a good music scene. So it's like a, the music scene here is sick. The producers here are mm-hmm. sick. Even just local Swedish music. I mean, guy, guys here are freaks, bro. They're, they're sick. Producers, everything. But yeah, my wife is Swedish. We decided to, we left Nashville. As soon as I, as, yeah, as soon as I left, we lived here for a summer and that's when I did the Mac. So I actually did the Mac here. And then I've been into a couple different studios here where I, where I rent space. But yeah, yeah, yeah I would say three, four years ago. And my wife is a Swede. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So another question that I want to ask you about is just regards to like filling out a mix. I think a lot of producers struggle to make their mixes sound both full and interesting. And I think you do a really great job with that with kind of more pop EDM crossovers. But in my opinion, you do a better job than most keeping your mixes interesting and full. So any insight on to kind of what your process is like for that just to you know build off of that initial idea to fill in a mix make it more interesting and full yeah that's a great question top down if if i can get a clear vocal sound like a very like a well eq'd vocal sound to me that's the the core of everything yeah. and then i can just place everything else around it and i actually like to do i actually like to do bass last which is kind of weird so i do like all the top stuff so i get a groove going like i the new update uh are you a logic guy yes they do yeah they they uh they have a new update and i kind of like it it's cool because they they have um they have a it's a more sample sampler feel like there's a there's a drum synth there's um there's a new drum sampler and then there's also like i think a sequencer kind of kind of like a fruity loops like yeah. vibe sampler, which is cool. So I'm I'm kind of changing my process a bit to try and you know just mess around with these new these new things. So, but to me the groove the groove is huge. Um, and I yeah. and I always take the bass last. It, like when you fill it in with bass, it's like oh, the song is done. You know. I think that's interesting and. I don't know, a couple of ways that I'm thinking about that is if you can get your track sounding really great without the bass, you can get it sounding so much better with the bass where it's not just like reliant on there. It's forcing you to put more care and attention into those top elements. And that reminds me of something uh, one of my producer friends, Shanahan, said a couple of weeks ago. He's like, try writing your drop without your kick. And obviously you're going to put a kick in there, but your kick can shape so much of the sound of your track. And if you go without it, it forces you to think about the other elements with a bit more detail and care. And then you can always throw in the kick later. I do that all the time. I take the kick out of the drop constantly. Like, yeah. cause you'll, sometimes you'll even feel another groove. You'll literally feel another groove. You know, say mm. if you're on a four by four kick, you know, I think one of my favorite productions, which my friend here in Stockholm did, it was, um, uh, more than you know, Axel Engrosso. It's a straight up four on the floor 
should be four on the floor rhythm. I think they're in like a buck t- 123, 124 BPM or something like that. But they're, yeah. you know, it's not four on the floor. They, he, he swung the kick. So I thought that was really cool. And if, if the kick was playing four on the floor all the time and you're working on the drop, you never would have heard that. I think, um, and, and it's crazy a lot of times too, what bass does to a song you you and it can fool you a lot of times you think yeah. your track is like you think your track's banging you know but <laughs> it, it's you know it's just the 808 you know so or or just the the sign or whatever you got under there so um i think some you know uh there's this there's this duo called tv noise um yeah. from amsterdam sick amazing productions amazing um technical stuff too as far as like eqing and spreading and um the same with joyride i mean joyride yeah his stuff his mixes the way it's spread is unbelievable but if you if you if you really listen to the low end i mean it's just like a simple sign filling everything out it's just to to really give you that full depth he's not necessarily he's not really like slamming it you know so uh and i also do a lot of like you know like mixing in mono like i'll just i'll just throw the track in mono for a long time and just work on it in mono for for a while and then when you turn it off it's you know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, um, so sounds that you, you know, want to hear, you you throw it in mono and you don't hear it, you're probably, you know, not putting it in the right place. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So earlier you mentioned how important just getting down the groove for your tracks are. What exactly goes into that? Is it just like getting the right drum sounds, getting the swing? What does that kind of process look like? For me, for me, it's all swing. Um I'm always, you know, in logic, it's like in logic, it's ABC swing, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or then you can go into triplets. I'm not sure the other dolls, what they call it, but like, I'm, I'm so the swing is everything for me because it gives it more of an organic feel. Um, I guess yeah. it obviously depends on what you're going for. I like the organic feel, but I'm like a, I'm like a BC swing kind of guy. Um, yeah. but if I can, if I can sit there and loop a beat, and it's interesting throughout, you know, and it keeps me in it, you know, if I keep looping it over and over and I'm like, man, I'm, I can just keep listening to this cause it's so interesting. Then all you need to do is fill in the rest, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, um, and it could be, you know, like Dylan Francis new song. Um, I think it's you do you is what it's called. And it's literally, it's literally an 808 and just some banging drums. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable yeah. his his production, but but uh, but the groove like in that song is so interesting. He could just he could literally release a version that's just the drums. Yeah, <laughs> and I would be like, wow! I would stream it like fifty thousand times. Yeah, I mean, I think that's crucial, and I like what you said. Where if you just loop the drums by themselves, and you can listen to that all day and not get bored, you've got a great foundation, and it makes it so much easier for you to fill in the top of that and to make the track finished and interesting when you have those drums down. I think a lot of producers think, oh, I'm just going to like pull in a drum loop and then we're there. There's so much more that you can do that makes your job a lot easier in the long run. Yeah, or if you're going to if you're going to introduce like a weird sound or like a super interesting sound that you're like, "Oh, this is super ID," you know, to the track. This makes the track yeah. cool. Maybe just just hit it one time, 
you know, or like don't you don't necessarily have to like copy it and paste it in every single section, you know. There's always yeah. times where you can just introduce something super small randomly, boom, or people are like, "Oh, I want to continue listening. This is crazy. This is cool, you know." So th- things that things like that will keep people's attention, you know, people's attention spans are so short now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Keep it interesting, man. And yeah, keep it interesting and keep it groovy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Cool. So a few more questions and then we'll wrap things up. You know, a lot of producers have certain habits or routines that are really important to them, you know, both staying productive and finishing music. Is there anything that's important for you that, you know, keeps you on schedule or keeps you focused so that you can write and finish more music? I always bounce what I worked on. I think most people do this, but I always bounce what I worked on that night and I listen to it the next morning and on the way in, I make notes and write everything down that I need to get done on the song to finish because that's one thing I struggled with for the past few years was finishing songs. I cannot tell you how many times I got songs, you know, 80% of the way, 90% of the way, and I could not finish a song. If I, if I write it down and I tell myself you must get this done. John, you must get this done today when you go in. It's like, it helps me a lot because I go in and I just attack those things. And next thing you know, something inspiring, you know, something else inspiring comes up in the track and I'm able to finish, you know, and it's even better, you know? So, um, but I would say notes, like making notes and being honest with myself, you know, it's okay to do two, three versions. I've done two, three versions of songs before all the time. And I don't get defeated by that anymore. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, beat my own productions. I'm trying to, you know, just, you're only as good as your, your, your last or, or your next track is, is what I usually say, or your next song, you know? So, so try and, try and beat the last one. Always try and beat the last one. Even if you're on like 16, 17 versions of a, of a drop, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, there's always 18. So, but, um, yeah, I, I, I've tried to get organized too, like in my sessions, I think organizations, key i'm not into like all the colors and all that stuff but i'm starting to do like folders you know yeah and and joining like i join stuff now by section so if i get a loop down i'll join it it's in the section it's locked in yeah. uh, i used to work on sessions and it was all just all the individual little <laughs> hits <Yeah. laughs> all the way through the song and man that was brutal looking at that yeah i mean it looked like <sighs> computer code almost i mean it was it was crazy but organization and just being honest with myself and forcing almost forcing myself to finish songs you know take the take the the creative hat off for one second and just just get it done so Uh, A few more questions. We've got a lot of newer producers listening to this podcast. What advice would you give to somebody that's just starting out with production to give them the best chance of success moving forward? I know some people would hate that I say this, but I think it's okay to to copy uh, people. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is there's, there's definitely guys out there doing it better than you. But if you want to learn how to be those guys. I started off trying to be Tiesto. I was trying to be Skrillex. Um, I was like, I want to be Hardwell. Uh, you know, at the time I wanted to be, you know, this, 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 and this, that really actually helped me out. You know, I didn't, 
release that stuff. But I mean, you don't have to release everything that you make. I mean, starting out, you 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 can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Just grow. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Grow, learn, um, do it wrong, you know, and then learn how to do it right, you know. I would say key binds are actually super um, helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you got your key, seriously, like if you just, if there's one thing you find out you're always using, always using, just put on a key bind, you know, there's yeah. no, there's, it's, nobody wants to keep going up with their mouse and going up to edit and, you know, okay, you know, yeah, you know, command C, command V, like. The faster you get, the more inspired you'll stay. And, you know, it's, uh, I think that's, that's super helpful too. So copy, yeah. don't, don't release, don't release the copies, but learn by copying and, yeah. and, um, uh, and keybinds, keybinds are huge, huge. Definitely. Cool. So let's talk about what we've got coming up. Everybody should check out your new single, Wise Me, which we talked about and they all heard during the intro, but outside of that, what's going to be coming up for you in the next few months? Well, we are looking to release, um, speaking to, you know, team, everybody, we're looking to release a lot of more music this year. So we're looking to be super consistent on releases. Uh, I just finished a version of a remix that's going to be coming out. Um, I'm not sure if I can say who it is, but it's going to be, it's a, it's a, it's a super big DJ, uh, American DJ, like killing it, killing it right now in the game so uh awesome. love his stuff um but yeah just trying to be consistent with music and uh coming out with a, a lot more stuff we've got some really cool collaborations coming up um and it's just it's like a it's like a roller coaster man it's like the first drop on a roller coaster it's just slowly 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 going up and it's just going to keep getting better and better and better so uh super excited you know for the rest of the year and yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be cool Sweet. Well, with that, we will wrap things up for this episode. You can find Nevada's music in the description of this podcast. So go give that a listen as this episode is just about over. It's been great chatting with you. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, man.